Welcome to the Midlife Crisis Cards Podcast with your host, Darren Herman. This podcast explores the world of sports cards from a variety of angles. Being a hobbyist collector for over 30 years, a professional software investor and angel investor in and around the card space, and a proud father who is raising children who collect and appreciate sports cards. If you want to learn more about Midlife Crisis Cards, head over to midlifecrisiscards.com where you can read his journey to card collecting, his history, and find some awesome individual cards to purchase from his personal collection. Or check out our brand new product, the Cardboard Box, a personalized and hand-selected box of cards that arrive at your front door. On the Midlife Crisis Cards Podcast, we explore the convergence of Darren's worlds in the sports card industry, where hobby meets business. Without further ado, Please meet our host, Darren Herman, a.k.a. at Midlife Crisis Cards on Instagram and dherman76 on Twitter. Welcome to another episode of the Midlife Crisis Cards podcast. I'm Darren Herman, your host, uh, and Midlife Crisis Cards on Instagram and dherman76 on Twitter. We today have quite a bit to cover around the NFT, tokenization, crypto, sports card space. But before we dive in with our guest, Evan Vandenberg of Dibs, thought I'd just cover some recent things happening that are related to uh, the topic of today's podcast. So if you're in sports cards, uh, you can't ignore things going on with NBA Top Shot. We've seen SPVs or special purpose vehicles uh, set up to acquire cards, most recently $208,000. We've seen other cards go for over $100,000. It's very hard to not have made some uh, possible money with an NBA Top Shot these days. Uh, In the NFT world, non-fungible tokens, Nyancat, the first, well, big piece of digital art sold for well over 600 or very close to $600,000. That was covered in the New York Times uh, this past weekend. If you look at the market uh, cap of cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, it's over $1 trillion. That's that's quite large. Uh, and if you're on Clubhouse, you almost can't ignore the conversations about Top Shot, digital NFT art, crypto, etc. And so these are super timely uh, uh, conversations, and we're lucky to have Evan here from Dibs. Uh, but at a high level, you know, what else is going on in the sports card space? Uh, the baseball season is almost upon us, and the baseball card market is heating up. Um, basketball just announced uh, they're all-stars, and nice to see my New York Knicks forward Julius Randle as part of uh, the all-star team on the East, go Knicks. Uh, and since I think the last podcast, both hybrid grading and CSG grading have both entered the sports card grading space, challenging uh, PSA, Beckett, SGC, and others. Curious to see how hybrid and CSG do. Can they gain the brand recognition and trust of consumers to compete with the dollar values assigned to PSA and then potentially Beckett? Um, Or will they be just another grading company out there that uh, can grade and protect cards? Um, But hobbyists with with serious collections don't go to them because they don't get top value for their cards. Big question that we all are asking uh, and excited to play out. Actually, I've got 12 cards um, sitting at CSG grading right now, hopefully coming back in the next 25 days. And hopefully uh, I'll send uh, a dozen cards over to hybrid grading just to see the process. I like testing things. I like seeing how they work. Um, doesn't mean that I don't believe in PSA or Beckett or SGC. I just like to test things as a, as a student of the hobby, as an investor in the hobby. I like to uh, see how all these things work. So that is what's been going on. Uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, And let's dive into today's podcast, all about crypto, NFT, tokenization, and a pretty cool startup named Dibs.
Evan, welcome to the Midlife Crisis Cards podcast. I'm excited to have you here uh, because one, uh, we're we're at an extremely exciting time in the uh, the hobby, but not just the hobby as we know it in sports cards. But you know what what we're going to talk about is you know sports cards with the blockchain, with NFTs, with crypto, maybe, and this whole crazy world that's that's uh, emerged. And you guys are like front and center of it, especially, uh, you know, one of the early movers, if not the earliest mover within the sports card space. And with all the fanfare and, and, and press about this entire space over the last couple of weeks, this probably couldn't be a more timely interview, which I'm super stoked about. And so, Evan, welcome to the Midlife Crisis Cards podcast. <laughs> thanks, Darren. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, first and foremost, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, it's been an insane an insane month. I mean, insane six months for sports cards a year, really. Um, but wow, I mean, the, the combination of NFTs, crypto, sports card, top shots, everything kind of coming to fruition here is, you know, I'd love to say I planned it this way, but like this has vastly exceeded my expectations. <laughs> so you've been you've been thinking out this space and created a company called Dibs, um, which, you know, to all the listeners, Many of you know that I, you know, I always put this. I'm always above board. You know, I'm an investor in. So Evan was kind enough to allow me to put a couple of shekels in his pocket for, for, uh, for, for uh, being an investor in dibs. Um, but you know, you've been thinking about this space for a while. I mean, give me, give us. You know, we want to hear the history. You know, how did how did you end up? You know, with the idea of creating dibs. Like, what's your background? Talk to us about you know what you've done in the past and how you ended up with the idea. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll spare you the, the long background, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll kind of get to what's important to dibs. And, you know, I've honestly been thinking about this for a few years. I, I, I put pen to paper, you know, we'll call it a year ago, maybe 13 months. I think I was talking to somebody today about it. Um, but yeah, so I actually come from the digital item trading space. So, you know, for those listening that play video games, basically there's, you know, there were a hand, you know, handful of marketplaces that actually allowed people to transact with cash to exchange for in-game items. So think, you know, Counter-Strike skins, guns, the kind of cosmetics that don't affect gameplay, but like, you know, they're kind of the way to flex in, in video games. Um, so that was kind of the, like the start of getting into this weird, you know, crazy ecosystem of digital trading of, of items, right? It's really before NFTs took flight. So, you know, 2015, 2016, um, and then 2017, you had CryptoKitties, and uh, that kind of, you know, changed the game. And, and, you know, kudos to Dapper. They've kind of hit it with two massive NFT projects. Um, but in parallel, so while we were... What, what were those projects? Oh, uh, they did CryptoKitties and Top Shot. Yeah. So those are all from the oh, same... Oh, so Dapper, Dapper is the company behind those two. Yeah, I mean, in, in all fairness, it's kind of nice to see the OG that really started the NFT space be the guy who also gets rewarded with this, you know, I, I don't even know what to call what's going on with them right now. I mean, the, a boom would be an understatement. So, yeah, so, I mean, I was a part of that. I was building smart contracts, you know, in dApps on Ethereum in 2017, and then decided I was going to make a jump, you know, full-time into crypto and joined Wax, uh, the blockchain. So, you know, it's one of the leading NFT blockchains now. Uh, I was there to kind of launch that chain brought a ton of different IP to that space. And, you know, the most notable and, and I guess pertinent IP was Tops. And, you know, my dreams at this point in time were let's get baseball cards on the blockchain. Let's do Tops, Bowman, Chromes. Let's do them on the blockchain. And that was my yep. goal. Obviously, it didn't happen at that point in time, um, largely because there was just a lot of uncertainty around all this. It wasn't what it is today, right? I mean, 2018, trying to convince Tobin Len over at Tops uh, to do an NFT project, like, thank God he was like a real big believer and gave us a shot. Um, and we ended up doing Garbage Pail Kids. So while I was in the process That's of building, cool. yeah, the Garbage Pail Kids NFTs, which sold, you know, millions of dollars at this point of NFTs, I started getting back into my own baseball collection because I was hanging out with the Tops guys. I was constantly going back and forth to New York, um, working with them on different stuff. And, you know, I pulled out all of my old cards and I started getting back into buying cards and selling cards. And I was shocked. I kind of kept thinking, you know, I was Googling like, you know, better than eBay like solutions. And not that there isn't, you know, eBay's not even, it's not that eBay's awful, right? It really isn't. It's just, I was tired of opening a hundred boxes, right? And storing them and then selling them. And, you know, outside yeah. of my personal collection, I just felt like my whole life experience was kind of built towards optimizing trading, right? And, and trading of digital assets. And, and therefore, you know, dibs is kind of a, a product of that. So that's the story. I don't know if you knew, uh, but back in 2004, 
uh, I had a startup that was building uh, uh, basically uh, an SDK that was given to game developers to place advertisements, subscriptions, in-game virtual items, etc. in. And we were the back end that facilitated the business logic and uh, the insertion of those within games. So maybe wow. our paths yeah. crossed a long time ago. <laughs> well, you know, now that I think about it, maybe where this really took flight, I was at a company called Upside. It was a SDK similar as a you know mobile yeah. ad marketing kind of optimization, monetization platform. And we had Pokemon Go as a customer in Antic. But this is way before Pokemon Go was Pokemon Go. And so we, we, we did that deal. And I remember looking at the analytics and just being like, all I wanted to do in Pokemon was be able to trade with somebody else because like I wanted a certain thing and like our whole office yeah. was running out of the office grabbing Pokemon. So I've seen this kind of phenomenon happening from the ground up and you know finally now uh, stepped out and raised a little bit of money and, and formed a company with you know the best people I know. So so how did that happen? So we heard that you you know you you were you know working inside and alongside the space as you know as you just alluded to. But when did you say, you know, I'm going to put pen to paper, pen to napkin, as many folks do it in Silicon Valley and uh, or Silicon Beach, I guess, where you are uh, and uh, say, you know, uh, this is the idea and let's go for it. Let me find co-founders to go make this thing happen. Like, how did how did that magic happen? Yeah. So it was me in a silo for a while. I just was like, all right, like I know this thing is happening and I feel like if I provide a better solution for it. And so really I started going through like my pain points with buying cards, right? And I was like, all right, so here's, you know, kind of what's annoying for me and here's what I would ultimately like to see. And then kind of, you know, it's even said at a ton of market research with people is, is probably stretching it. Um, overstatement. I, you know, it's probably a, a bit of an overstatement, but I was like, all right, so in a, in a perfect world, you know, I don't want to have to spend $10,000 on a card that I want to buy, right? I want to get in for $100, $500, and I want to have that collection. And frankly, at this point in time, I was, you know, I was sharing all my collection online, right? So it was all through, you know, either social media or just simply like texting with friends. And I was like, okay, so if we separate kind of possession from ownership, right? So, yeah. you know, and blockchain is really perfect for this, right? Possession is, you know, just for the audience, like that would be you holding this thing. You own it, right? and you possess it, but there is a way to separate the two, right? And, and blockchain is really good for that in a, you know, a trusty, you know, trustworthy mechanism. And so I was like, look, if I could do this all digitally and I didn't have to get all the boxes, you know, and I still buy stuff and send to my house because I like to collect certain cards, but I felt like there was this huge gap, right? Where ownership could be really kind of transformed into a much more user-friendly fashion. Um, a fashion that, you know, ultimately has, has turned into dibs, but really, you know, it was, it's, it's expedience, right? It's being able to trade moment to moment. I, you know, during the last NBA playoffs, you know, Darren, I think I've talked to you about this. I was watching games. I'd have two laptops open and my TV on, and I was trying to buy stuff on eBay based on like what was going on. And, and part of this was like yeah. researching for my business, but I was shocked, right? There's this like real time like market movement and you really can't capture it with a seven day, you know, window of shipping. And so I was like, all right, so if we can build something that tokenizes this stuff, we put it into a platform, you have the exact same ownership rights and, and really potentially even better ownership rights. Um, and we can allow, you know, instant transactions to happen however you want to happen, how, you know, however you want to play that um, in a fraction of a second, right? And so that was kind of the goal was to make this as easy to do. And then, you know, I, I don't want to do a super long-winded answer, but I think there was also no, a, it's good. a huge, um, a huge data and kind of educational component that was so overwhelming to me for people I was trying to introduce to the space, right? I mean, knowing all the refractors, the parallels, everything within a different set and why one set's worth infinitely more than the next set, even though you could argue the cards are better in the next set, like look better, right, aesthetically, is really hard to learn, right? I think the people who are hardcore card, you know, card collectors, people listening to this podcast, they take it for granted that that probably took you hundreds of hours to truly conceptualize all of that and be able to, you know, put pen to paper and make good decisions. And I felt like, you know, that was something we could obfuscate with this platform as well, where we could say, hey, look, you like players, you're trying to get into cards. How do we make this simpler? Right. And this will go into yeah. a player model, which yeah. we can t touch on later. That's that's super cool. I was watching this game and we had, you know, our big draft pick on the Knicks uh, this year was Obi Toppin. And everyone's excited to see Obi play. Um, came out of Dayton. Um, and then we had this pick in like the f around the number 40s, somewhere in the 40s. Uh, this 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 guy by the name of Emmanuel Quickly, um, or IQ as New York likes to call him, and IQ hadn't seen much playing time until he did. And I was watching the game, and I was like, "Oh my God, this guy is good!" 
And I remember pulling out my, my, I don't know if it was my laptop or my phone at that point, and I just went straight to eBay. <laughs> and, and they were only sort of the Immaculate Collection uh, collegiate uh, card. So it was like the Immaculate Collection, I think it's Kentucky. Um, and uh, I literally just bought them. Like, I think they were like 15, 20 bucks, you know, whatever. It was like the second quarter of the game. This guy was like seven threes in a row or whatever. Like, he had no fear on the court and uh, was playing really well under Tom Thibodeau and the system. And fast forward three weeks later, those cards were like 100, 120, 130, 150. And now they've gone up from there. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think it was a gamble. You know, it wasn't a gamble buying, you know, $15 into him. I don't know if I would have bought, you know, a bunch of cards at $125 into him. But it had dibs been around <laughs> and being able to buy a fraction of, uh, of him, I think that would have been super interesting, which then takes us into, you know, dibs. And so, you know, uh, you've alluded to, you know, a lot of the stuff on blockchain, a lot of things into fractional purchases. You know, we've talked at length on the Midlife Crisis Cards podcast about um, fractional players such as Otis and Rally and Collectible, uh, and we did that with Russell from Alton Insights. Um, but Evan, are you guys like in the f- is is dibs considered in the fractional space, or how do you how do you think about it? And and you know, as we've got many listeners that may be on dibs, you know, I gave out a whole bunch of invite codes this week, um, but we also probably have listeners that have never been on dibs before. So, can you like give us the 101 on the platform? You know, even take us to like it's an app you need to download from the iOS store, um, <laughs> and then like the use case, and then let's talk about you know how is it a fractional platform? Is it not? And then we'll go more into actually the dibs experience, which would be super cool. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. And, and I think I can take this even back a step. Right. And I, and I get this question a lot with dibs, right? You get, people are very used to like what's going on in collectible and rally and dude. And, and by the way, I'm not like absolutely a fan of those, pro- like for those products, I use them. Um, I view us in a very different light. Right. So like, yes, are we fractional 100%? Um, are you coming to dibs for the same experience you're looking for in rally or collectible? Likely not. Um, so let's just take like peel back the onion, right? On, on, on rally and, and, and collectible, you're basically, you're buying into, you know, a company essentially with one asset on the balance sheet. Um, and typically those are really high dollar items, right? They're like really top notch stuff you're buying in. And that's like a incredible like investment over time. Right. And I think that's, that's honestly like really, really great. And it's opened up a whole new world to a lot of people. The angle we decided to take, because it was truly like just more core to us and more authentic to like what we wanted is, what we do is we actually consign, you know, so just so everyone understands what happens before we get to the app, is we consign, you know, the vast majority of our products. So big sellers, and ultimately we want to get it to anybody who has graded cards. I mean, grading, just to be clear, everything's graded on dibs. Um, we can't sell raw cards for, you know, it'll probably be more obvious when we play on the app, but really it's just to avoid fraud and, and people getting, you know, bad expectations and, and ultimately a bad experience. But we take, you know, graded cards, we have them shipped to a vault, they're in a vault, so they're in our possession. Okay through a consignment agreement. We then scan those, tokenize them. So then they're NFTs, right? And, and it's kind of weird. You... No, no, no. Oh, I'm going to stop you for a second. So, you scan okay. them and you tokenize them. Tell me what that means in layman's yeah. terms. So if anyone on here has ever used PWC. I want this to be like a primer, not just about dibs, but you're explaining a whole new concept around blockchain that many folks may not have considered before. So set the record straight for them. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. Right. And I think let's set the record straight because I think NFTs is this word that gets thrown around. But like, let's let's talk about its core principles and why it's like important to dibs right at, at the core. Yep. So anybody who's used to who's ever stored anything at PWCC or alt. So we have a vaulting, a third party vaulting uh, company. We have an account there. You send and vaulting card. means that you're sending cards to a vault to that's a vault. managed yeah, by somebody secured. else. Yeah, and it's insured secure. and secured. Right. Yeah, so it's not like my, my safe here in, in my home. It's not Darren no, Irwin's safe. You're not sending it to, to Evan's house and he's holding it in his, uh, in his closet. So you're sending it to a very secure vault. The card is then, you know, stored, insured, scanned in terms of the images. So you have like a cool, you know, graphical representation. You can look at the card in, in a high definition view. Um, and then what we do is we create an NFT for every asset on dibs. Now, what an NFT does in the case of dibs and realistically for a lot of these things is really it's a token of ownership, right? It's like a receipt. It's a digital receipt. It has all sorts of properties. NFTs can do a ton of things and ours do a few things very, very well. 
what they do is everything in that NFT has all of the mechanisms and all of the components and data required to then send that NFT back to our vaulting partner or us to return the physical asset. So if you have a Dibs NFT and you own it outright, you can actually get the physical product back, right? And this is not like, you know, 10 years from now, like you can go buy it and you can get it back and ship it to your house uh, anywhere in the US in I think three days. So that's kind of the core. And the NFT, right, is really that receipt, right? It's the ability to take this digital, this thing that's trading digitally and bring it back to the physical world, right? It's almost like that gateway. And what's so in like, if, if you're like over the age of, I'd say 35 or 40 and you, you grew up, we had these things called stock certificates <laughs> yeah. where, you know, our parents or, or a friend or maybe for our bar mitzvah or something, somebody gave us stock. And sure. then in the mail, we were given this certificate because you can't really touch company stock. Like it's this, this, you know, thing that's in the ether that's worth some amount of money that you can't really like actually see. But the certificate said, you know, it was a certain amount of shares to the company and it's endorsed and it's signed. And if you have that certificate, you know, you have that stock. Um, is that similar to like what you're talking about? Yeah, it's an incredible analogy. Actually, Ballpark. hadn't even thought about that in, 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 in a while. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's much like a stock certificate. Obviously, digital, more secure, you know, stored on a yeah. blockchain. Right now, we're using Ethereum. I'll get into why that sucks and why we'll ultimately move. But it's stored in an NFT, and that is securely and, you know, you And the NFT stands for a non-fungible token. Non-fungible token, which is really just a database record, right, with, you know, data and some code in it that says, hey, this, this object, whoever the owner of this object is, has the right to this physical item. And here's where to send it to, and here's how to do things. Um, so that's I feel like by using the word fungible, it makes it more complicated. Like totally, someone I, had to I mean, choose this word fungible. That's like a, that's like a SAT word. And it's, 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 it's that's weird, complicated. That's like Scrabble 504. Like that's, that's like a, a big Scrabble word, I think. Yeah. Like why don't they just call it like a digital ticket? I don't know, man. It, it needs to be, <laughs> I hope we can be a part of that. I think I, I saw Roham from Top Shot say something about, rebranding NFTs the other day and it, it, it had it really hit home because fungible throws everything off right yeah it's it complicated really um all right sorry for throwing um, you off no so <laughs> it's all good so the nft right we have the nft and then we take it a little bit further so the nft is the receipt guys right now this receipt yep. then is locked in a smart contract which is really just like a vault right it's a digital vault it's very similar to what we're doing with the cards at pwcc and i hate if i'm leading you guys on a wrong path i i, I apologize in advance but this smart contract is really a vault with people working in it, right? Digital. And that there, they fractionalize this receipt. So different people can own different amounts of the receipt. And that's what's trading on dibs. So when you're- So let me, let me play that back. So there's a receipt that's, let's say, just keep it simple. 100% of the card. 100% of, yeah, of, of the PSA 10 Giannis 2012, whatever, rookie, right? Prism. That smart contract then allows uh, a tokenization component where anybody can now buy, on your platform, can now buy percentages of that card Correct. or fractions of a percentage of that card. Correct. And so, you know, if I go in, you know, let's say that card, I don't know, is, I, I, to be honest, I don't know what it's worth that today, these days. Uh, but let's one today. Uh... 35,000? 35, Holy cow. No, 35, um, so let's, 000. oh, 3,500. Okay. So it's at 3,500, but let's say I only want to put $6.72 in. I can now own part of that Giannis for $6 in whatever I just said. That's correct. So cents. that's what the smart contract and uh, the tokenization allows. Right. And that's to allow that's cool. access, right? And that's the part that's cool, right? Is like, okay, there is this receipt and anybody can go get that receipt. And we have different buyout rights while you're on the platform. And, you know, the nice thing about all this is, yeah. So to get to your point, Darren, yes, the Giannis card, now you can buy $6 or $4 or $500, right? It really doesn't matter. It's really what your budget is. And, and we really wanted to make this stuff more accessible, right? Um, the other thing that's cool about this is you can buy the card off our platform, right? If you own, so right now the, the rules are for singular cards. So if cards of one of one that we have, 
it's 70% and you can buy it out uh, from the rest of the token holders if you accrue 70% for a 33% premium on current market price. There's, there's some math and a bonding curve, but keeping it simple, you can buy out everybody else and you can have the card shipped to you. You just said you're going to keep it simple, but you threw out the term bonding curve. I mean, really? look, everybody on Come the on. call, the simple, like <laughs> I've tested 8,000 scenarios on this. And realistically, it looks at the last like six months and basically pay a premium on the highest price. Um, so yep. that's the simple math. And yeah, so I can go on, I can go on dibs. So I download dibs. I go to the iOS store. It's, it's in iOS today, right? It's, it's not Android. IOS today. We've got, uh, okay. we've got iOS or sorry, we've got Android and a web app's going to come in the next two weeks, three weeks. Oh, so cool. Your desktop, you can just go on your browser, you know, use it for That's dangerous because then I just leave it open when I'm working on my browser. That would be not good. <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're already doing it with eBay, man. You might as well do it. <laughs> so, so I download it. I, I get it on my, on my phone. Uh, I, I, I log in. I assume I have to put like a credit card or bank account or something along those lines to fund the account. Um, uh, and then I can go in and, uh, since I've been through the experience before, you know, I can go in and, uh, buy fractions of cards, or I guess I can buy out a card. Um, but at the same time, you guys have drops too. Like, how does that work? Like what's, what is this whole idea of drops? Yeah, so drops are, are really similar to what you're going to see on other fractional sites like Collectible or Rally, right? Where for a set period of time, we price an item at a set price, right? And so what happens then is anybody can buy in. Uh, we, we max out so you can only buy up to 5% per user per drop. So why we did that is we wanted to at least allow for a minimum of 20 people to get in on every drop. Um, and it'll make sense when I, when I complete this. But yeah, so we have drops. That's kind of the way that big items enter the platform. And then the second that a drop is over within 24 hours, we kick it into a live market and it's not like trade, you know, once which is that's before. where it's so different from the right. other players, which have like the lock, the IPO lockup period or whatever that is. Yeah. And then even after that, right, you have trading days or trading windows. And so for us, it's a 24 seven live market and it's a full so it's like indicative of like cryptocurrencies, very similar to that. Yeah, you can see where our past has kind of played in these decisions and, and why we chose that. I mean, for obvious reasons, if you can always do 24 seven, you should, right? It's It gives everybody the most autonomy around how they wanna you know, work with their assets, sell their assets, buy assets. Um, but yeah, we have a really, a very, very like, you know, largely very liquid platform, right? We've got, um, you know, a full order book. You can place, you know, orders at a price that you want to sell something at. And if it hits that, it'll fill it for you and, and give you the cash back or you can buy the same way. Right. And so it's a much more real time live trading experience. And that's really what we wanted to harness with that. Um, so, yeah, oh, okay. I convolute the whole platform too much with the NFT stuff, but I felt like it was worth talking about. No, it's extremely worth talking about because it's the hottest topic right now within the <laughs> within the space, regardless of whether it's dibs or not. I feel like anyone listening to this, like all of our midlife crisis cards podcast listeners, you know, whether or not they 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 go on dibs or not, they're getting a whole new sort of education around NFTs and blockchain and smart contracts and fractionalization and tokenization and fungible, like all of these things we're talking about, which is uh, kind of fascinating. Um, but with that said, oh, we sorry. want them on dips, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's worth checking out for anybody using cards. <laughs> absolutely. So the other part of dibs, and we were talking about this early on, was you know the idea that you can invest in a player, not necessarily a card. Yeah. Um, so... And so talk to me about that because you know in all these platforms we go on, you know it's card first. How does dibs think about that? Yeah. So we we kind of use what I like to like you know, internally coined as a player centric model. And so our thesis is that realistically, whether you're buying a specific card or not, you're really buying that player and you're finding an avenue that you support, you know, whether it's, you know, a prism silver or it's a base card, whatever you can afford. And so what we felt like is the cards were these underlying assets that are really interesting and fun to collect, but ultimately what you're buying into is a player. And I think for getting people into the space, the nuances of cards were just so burdensome to really be an expert in cards. It's a, it's a job. Like you've got to either really, really be a passionate hobbyist or it's a, it's your job. And to make things more simple and, and really, you know, uh, more, more variety and diversification of, of your spends, we made a player model where with any player on our platform, you know, we have 
anywhere between two and, you know, ultimately let's, let's just play it out a hundred cards for Luca, right? So if you wanted to buy Luka Doncic, instead of having to go choose which cards you wanted to, right, which variations, which parallels, refractors, whatever it was, you can just simply put $100 and buy Luka's portfolio. And what that does is it places an immediate order on our instant buy, uh, set, uh, our instant buy system, and it buys you proportional to the value of the card, your amount of money you put in on every single asset in the Luka uh, collection. And so it's a real game changer in terms of how you buy cards, right? If you don't know what to do or you want to just, you want everything for that player, like Emmanuel quickly, like frankly, I would love to just buy into Emmanuel quickly. Like once the prism sets yeah. come out in yes, what, please. two weeks, <laughs> you can buy into Emmanuel quickly and you don't have to worry about, is it the NBA hoops or if it's, you know, which prism refractor it's going to be or parallel it's going to be, you can buy into that player. And so we wanted to simplify that. And you know, so far so good. We've been seeing a ton of player buys and sells, um, which has been really fun to watch. And, you know, if, if people look at cards through the lens of fantasy sports or through the lens of really just watching the statistics of sports, there is incredible correlation between player performance and the card prices increases and decreases in value. Right. And so this is a way to like get more involved in that without having to be the world's expert on cards. I, I, I like that. And so I'm going to use another analogy and tell me if this is correct. Um, you know, we used the stock certificate analogy before, but staying within finance, maybe the analogy that holds true and similar here would be an ETF or an exchange traded fund in regards to a sector focus. So if I wanted to buy an ETF for travel, I could buy, you know, a curated group of, of travel stocks and concentrate sort of deep into that. Um, sounds like, you know, similar to, you know, an ETF on Luca, which would be all Luca, you know, uh, cards. That sounds pretty similar. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it Maybe. is, it isn't. So <laughs> a stretch, you know, a stretch. Yeah. No, it's all good. So, I mean, like, look at an index fund, right? What you're buying into is it's basically rebalancing your portfolio across companies in a particular index, right? What we're mm -hmm. doing is we're on a spot exchange, right? So everything's happening instantly. Um, and so what's happening is you're instantly buying these cards and you are instantly selling those cards you aren't having it managed. It's not, you know, it's really, it's, I get the comparison and it's an easy analogy to draw. It's a little bit different when you break down the mechanics of it all. Um, but similar. This is why we have you here. Yeah. You're the expert in it. Simply for <laughs> That's the, why I don't do it. This, yeah. For simplicity's sake, right. I mean, it, it really is an easy way to get into a player's entire card portfolio. And, and we really do a good job of curating the most traded cards, the best cards for those players. And so we try to take a lot of that off people's plates that aren't, you know, they're not Darren Herman's or, you know, Patrick Ryan's <laughs> of the world. All right. Yeah. So how do you, so how, where do the cards come from? Like, did you, did you, you know, it, I know you took, uh, you know, took some of my money, but took a lot of money from other, you know, venture investors, et cetera. You know, did you go into a card shop one day and said, just give me all your cards? <laughs> like, like I want to buy them all. Like, how did you get the cards for the platform? Yeah, no, I mean, in terms of our like investment capital, our, our thesis is we don't want to be spending that on, on cards. Um, and we want to be spending on building a company and there's reasons to that right is we've been able to find plenty of people with incredible card portfolios some of the biggest collectors in the world that were happy to sell their cards on dibs because we have an interesting selling model as well right we can sell cards on dibs and there's actually you know we collect so the, the way dibs makes money is we have a small percentage that we take on every trade of cards on the platform right so mm. what we can do to make things enticing is we don't have to charge 12 percent like ebay or you know and there's no shipping and, and all this other stuff we can, you know, sell your cards for you and we can actually give you, you know, some percentage of the upside on the commission fees for the next, you know, 12, 24 months, whatever it may be. And so it's been an interesting, you know, uh, it's an interesting supply chain effect where we don't spend a ton of capital on cards. Like we're not the ones buying. Most of the stuff is going to be consigned. I mean, I think at yep. scale, I would hope it gets 90 plus percent consigned and dibs buys, you know, every once in a while we want to have some like, you know, some control over which cards get on the platform. And sometimes that may not fit with our, our consignees. And so, yeah, it's primarily other people selling their cards. And, and Darren, what we'd ultimately like to get to is anybody with graded card collections that meet, you know, that like, we'll create a database basically of cards that we're looking for, cards that would be great for the platform. And people can sell them to us. We can put them up for sale um, or add them to existing markets at market price and you know have people sell those with an interesting kind of rev share on the the back end of it absolutely absolutely and so it kind of you know what's beautiful about that is you know it's uh the world can get active not just you guys um and 
how did you like if i think about supply in terms of getting the cards to the platform like you know if i was consigning a card to you guys i may be worried about you know is there enough liquidity and you know uh, is it a good you know should i give it to you guys because it's so early or should i go put it over on i don't know starstock or comc or ebay or you know wherever else um you know how do you have that conversation with you know uh, a potential supplier like you know how do, what does that conversation sound like yeah, I mean, it, like to be fair, it, it wasn't the easiest conversation in the beginning. Um, it's gotten. That's a lot why we easier. have these conversations. I like having <laughs> yeah, so, these harder conversations. Um, you know, yeah, there's always counterparty risk, right? In any business transaction, you know, there's there's always a risk of of somebody going under or something going south, right? Or no liquidity on the platform. Um, you know, and, and it's and again, I, I totally understand that, right? Like I, that's why we're not taking you know the public's cards right now, right? We're working with a lot of our investors, right? Our, our cap tables happens to be like some of the best card collectors on the planet and that's great um but ultimately to get to the scale we want to get to um we do want to like allow it to be as free-flowing as humanly possible with people bringing you know sending cards in getting them you know tokenized putting in their wallet they can sell them um but yeah so the conversation just to be completely get back to your your question mm -hmm. yeah it was tough in the beginning you kind of had to pitch people on like hey look we're gonna sell it she's just trust us and you know that was a tough sell <laughs> some people bit the bullet and did it and uh you know, just to give you guys a, a perspective, we launched the app on Tuesday. So we're filming this Thursday, just for context. We're 48 and, hours in, right? Yeah, we're a, bit, well, a little more, right? I mean, we started 9 a.m. on Tuesday. So yeah, wow, actually, never mind. Um, yeah, somewhere in that range. But almost everything we put up in a drop is sold. Um, you know, we're seeing thousands of trades. Uh, so it's it, it's starting to prove itself out a little bit. And so my goal is in the next year to get to a point where we have a seller's dashboard and a seller, you know, kind of portion of the app where anybody can go sell their graded cards. That's cool. So let's talk about that. So, you know, so you, is it fully launched or you call it beta or is it public beta? Like, what do you call in this, this time period that launched on Tuesday? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, most people hide behind the beta flag for forever. I mean, you know, we're calling it a beta. I, you call it what you want to call it. It's invite only right now. Um, All right, so we got an invite-only beta that launched on Tuesday. It's now Thursday night, so by the time people start listening to this, it's probably Sunday or Monday. Um, you know, what have you seen on the platform? Like, where are people coming from? Who are the kinds of people that are coming onto the platform now? Um, and is it what you expected? Are these like hardcore collectors? Are these investors? Are these fantasy players? Are these sports <laughs> bettors? You know, where 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 are the folks coming from? Yeah, so you know, I've got a heat map of the kind of where, right? I don't have like insane amount of data, we don't track location, things like that. But we do require you to be in the US for right now. Um, you know, for people listening, it, it is a US only platform for the time being, although we did build everything from the ground up with the world in mind. So, you know, we do want to add things, add countries as fast as possible. But, you know, obviously, we want to start somewhere. And uh, it's all over the country, man. It's it's crazy. It's clearly not the coast. It's it's all over the Midwest. Um, the South, I mean, we're seeing people from everywhere uh, in terms of an archetype, right? It's hard for me to tell. I mean, the people who are loudest on social uh, tend to be people who A, are card people, B, are top shot, you know, now top shot fans who seem to be kind of like the influencers in that space, which is an interesting, you know, comparison to draw. And then, you know, it's hard to put a thumb on, on a lot of it, right? I mean, we've got a wait list that I don't have much information about these individuals, right? I didn't talk to them. Yeah. Uh, they signed up. And so I assume there's a general interest in cards for everyone who's on the platform. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, ask me in a week, right? Let me get a, let me get yep. a few thousand people. <laughs> I might be able to make some, some better assumptions for the audience. So I have a question I always love asking when I, when I meet with companies um, to learn about them. Uh, and this may be too early. Um, uh, with you guys, but I'm curious, you know, what's the number one customer service inquiry right now? So you're probably getting people reaching out saying, Hey, 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 you know, yeah, I need help with this or that. Like what's the number one customer service query that you're getting, uh, to dibs these days? Yeah, it does. It's two. So it's really easy to answer. So just for everyone, you know, anyone here who downloads dibs, one of the things we have to do right from a, like a legal and a regulatory standpoint is there's a law called know your customer also known as KYC, basically you have to know who is transacting money on your platform or else you are in violation of, of you know, federal law. And so what KYC means is you have to collect, you know, some, some personal information, you have to upload a, a photo of your ID, right? It's, it's not perfect, right? I, I would love it to be more simple than that, but that portion people will either not take seriously 
and fill in Bugs Bunny or you know whatever name you want to insert here. Clearly not their own. Uh, upload you know pictures of their table and things like that, and then we get you know complaints like, hey, I didn't get through, and it's like, well, you you didn't follow the steps. And there's some valid complaints with it too, right? So I'd say a KYC is it's just a process, right? I mean, if you sign up for you know Coinbase or you sign up for a stock account, like you have to go through these processes or collectible or rally, right? I mean, the the same and, and KYC authentication is a third party or is it you guys no it's a third party so right or banking so it's not you guys it's like you guys are the form but then oh, it's no. getting sent we, we out somewhere that. else <laughs> to get authenticated yeah so it's uh yeah and there's trusted companies that do this right i mean they have all sorts of security measures to to be very clear um we would so what you want to tell yeah. your dibs users is like guys take it seriously because it's not us like it's going out, yeah, someone is going to authenticate like, it, and then it's coming back. So, so stop screwing around. Yeah, if you're going to bother doing it, doing it right, just do it right. Uh, that's my my only suggestion. I mean, we're still seeing you know seventy percent plus clearance rate on that, which isn't the worst. It's not, it's not my favorite. Um, and then B is we're a very new company, right? And our you know our banking service and everything else that we're providing, uh, we've had some issues with people you know depositing credit cards because it's such a new account and there's been a lot of influx of, of capital into it that they've sometimes flag it and you have to, you know, get a text from Chase or whoever your you know credit card provider is and say, hey, yes, I actually meant to do this. This was not, you know, a fraudulent charge. So those are the two complaints, uh, I guess, customer service uh, requests. And and is has there been any feature requests? Like, has anyone had like oh, man, yeah, a that, really good idea? Um, yeah. So what's, what's the best idea you've heard? Best best idea i mean we've already or a great idea it doesn't have to be the best but you know what is one that you're like oh man i didn't think of that that we should probably put in yeah i mean look i think one of the most obvious things now in retrospect is just people are always confused right on our platform right we're, we're transacting fractions of tokens right so the way you, you you calculate what you own is is in tokens we have a you know we we recently updated to have tokens percentage and dollar amount of, of each card based on the current market prices I think, you know, just understanding what you actually bought something for before, before you sell it was something that was like, seems so obvious now, but it like wasn't on the platform. Um, you know, having an understanding of like where you were in an easy to understand fashion, um, where you got in and, and where you are now and what's the Delta. Um, that was always interesting. Um, you know, we have this frack pack concept and people have been like, oh, I would love to like, you know, have a specific like 2003 Topps Chrome, you know, NBA, you know, the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, era or different eras of cards put into these frack packs, which is something I think would be really cool. Um, you know, something we'd, we like to give away as, as a way of, you know, thanking engaged, uh, engaged users. It's not something we're selling at this point in time. So what, what are frack packs? Those, those, the, I, I noticed that and I have, but I haven't really contemplated. So it's like cards that I get when I sign on that I basically have fractions of. It's basically like giveaway. Yeah. So if you're going to go, like, as soon as you finish your KYC and you're, you know, you, you add your credit card, you make your first deposit on the platform. We just want to like, you know, reward people and start their, their collection. Right. And so part uh -huh. of what we're doing there is, yeah, we're just, we, we took what we love, right? Like we love ripping wax open. I mean, I was just in Columbus, Ohio, ripping boxes for way too many hours. Um, and I just like, that is so fun. And we wanted to recreate that in a digital space um, within the context of fractional. And so what you get with a frack pack guys is you get this digital pack, you open it up and you get pieces of just like awesome cards, right? Um, anything from, you know, vintage Jordan stuff to Tyler hero, you know, silver prism pieces. And basically you get somewhere between five and $250 worth of, uh, cards to seed the platform. Obviously those deals won't always last, but for right now, we just wanted to say thanks to all the early, you know, supporters. Absolutely. So is there anything that, that the Midlife Crisis Cards listeners to the podcast should know about the platform or specifically go and check out? Specifically, I mean, look, I think what's really interesting to people who are in cards, and, and again, it's, it's going to take time to get really solid data. But what we have is a real-time data market too, right? Even if you're not using dibs just to buy and transact fractions of cards, that's so like price discovery. Yeah, it's an incredible price discovery tool. You can literally, charts are just there, right? And you can see every order that's on the books, every order that's been executed. You can see where the trends are going. Uh, we give you all sorts of tools to look at what's the most traded card, what's trending on dibs, like where is the, you know, where is the mindset of people right now? And I think that's really, you know, powerful information. Um, so from that perspective, I feel like, 
you know, whether or not they care about fractional or doing things digitally, like there's still an information play there that that's, I think, fascinating for anybody who's buying cards. I think that's super cool. Actually, I didn't even think about that, but using dibs as a price discovery tool for the general market is, 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 is fascinating. I appreciate that insight. Thank you. <laughs> I may use that tonight. Um, so what we always do at the end of our interviews is I like to ask, you know, some, uh, a question and, and get kind of like relatively quick answers. And it's like, uh, you know, a fire, a f- like a, a, like a fire starter type question. And then, you know, one, two, or maybe one sentence answers. Um, and so, uh, I think, you know, our listeners and myself would love to get your, uh, opinion on a, on a, on a handful of, uh, well, actually on three different topics. Um, and, uh, we'd love to hear it. If you're game for it, I'd love to start firing off some of these questions. Fire them off, Darren. All right. So where are we in the consumer life cycle of cards? Are we at peak today? Do we still think there's a lot of room to grow or, you know, are we on a decline? Where, where, where do you think we are in this, in, in the card market right now? We're not at peak. I mean, I think you're going to see fluctuations. You might see, you know, a little bit of a decline, um, you know, especially with, you know, football being over, basketball being mid-season, baseball not starting yet. I think you're going to see, like we're seeing it, right, with baseball card, football cards not actually being as popular as everything else right now. Um, yeah. But I think to be completely fair, I think, look, you're starting to see so many people enter the space. I mean, like, look, our goal is to get, you know, the next 100,000 to a million customers into this this market and bring new, new blood into this awesome hobby that we all love. And so I think genuinely, like generally speaking, look, I think there are bubbles within the card market. I don't think the card market itself is just one giant big bubble. So sorry to go way past one sentence. No, that was good. Are you long or short Bitcoin? I've got more than half of my life's net worth in Bitcoin, so I, I better be long. All right. Um, are there any other cryptocurrencies that you track? Yeah, I don't want to come across like a degenerate crypto trader. I don't actually trade. Uh, yeah, so I've been in you know Bitcoin since you know 2013, 2014. So I've been holding. I've never actually sold crypto for cash. You know, just to put that in perspective. Um, I think generally speaking, there's a few things. I think you know the NFT stuff has really given a rise to flow wax. Um, some of the other chains that are you know going to provide the infrastructure for that. Um, I think there's some fascinating stuff in the DeFi space. It's for me, just for, if anyone's, you know, familiar with that subject matter, I think it's so easy to clone. It's really difficult for me to get behind these individual DeFi tokens because it just seems like the flavor of the month and yep. not really sure that it, it's got a ton of long-term value with each individual one. The space as a whole has a ton. Um, yeah, and my, I'm, I'm super long crypto. I, I, you know, I don't believe in every company. I think most of them are trash, but you find a couple winners and throw a small portion of your, your net worth in there. Go for it. Um, don't do what I did. Uh, that's, that's always a <laughs> game. So, um, <laughs> uh, do you own any top shop packs or cards? Yeah. So I like one thing people forget is like, uh, I was in the NFT space with top shot. I saw top shot launch. So I've been buying Top Shot since I like since their their first day live, and to see what it's done is insane. I'm not actually buying them right now. I'm just super busy and like getting in wait lines and all that is just it's too much for me right now. But hey, uh, you know I'm not mad at them. Um, I hope I hope it continues. I hope I hope people don't get hurt in that whole thing. But I, I have a I have a feeling that's going to be very hard to avoid with something that's pretty new and, and pretty pretty volatile. Absolutely. Um, so if, if, you know, if I'm listening to this and I'm saying, holy cow, this is, this is a fascinating interview, which I hope many of you are. Um, and you know, I'm really interested in this space. You know, this is one of the first times I'm listening to it and the whole DeFi or decentralized finance or blockchain or crypto or NFTs, you know, this is fascinating to me. Uh, you know, Evan, is there like one or two other companies, regardless of whether they are in sports cards or not, that we should go check out, um, have nothing to potentially, maybe not even as an investment, but just like companies that are doing fascinating things in the space. Yeah. Let me think of like, give me one second. So, I mean, like, look, Hey, you know, you've seen so rare. They did a $50 million fundraising round today. 
there is some really cool stuff coming to this space. That so that that company is a uh, uh, tokenization for for soccer. Is that what they are? Yeah, and there's a fantasy sports element to it. It's it's kind of a cool utilization of NFTs, right? I think right now what you're seeing is this kind of like simple version of NFTs that are just these like you know virtually it's a it's a video and some graphics, right? And I think people don't realize that NFTs can be virtually anything. So I mean, there's some cool stuff going on in that space. Um, I think there's projects that are going to get incredible amounts of funding. It's clearly a hot space, and, and you're going to see some cool stuff. I think, you know, Wax, where I, where I did work, is, is they've got an incredible IP portfolio coming to market here. Um, you know, smart people running the, the show there. So, I mean, those, those two, and, you know, there's a few others I'm probably forgetting here. But if you care about the digitization of collectibles, like, those are people I would follow. I mean, clearly Topshop, but that doesn't seem like a – you know, everyone has heard of it, at least, you know, some point. ancillary <laughs> piece of it, right? I mean, whether you like the last two weeks, you had to see it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it's everywhere. But I mean, t- top shot aside, because that's obvious, I think, you know, there's some people doing some meaningful stuff. I think there's some cool stuff in the digital art space. And I know people are like, you know, especially it's hard to wrap your head around it until you spend enough time in it. And, and it, that's always hard to explain. But you can really find a lot of similarities between what I love about collectibles and what's going on in some of these digital collectible spaces. And most people are spending six, seven hours a day on their phones or TVs or combined, right? And, and you got to think about that. And the digital rights ownership of these things that you care so much about, I think, are ultimately going to be you know, owned and transferable. But that's a much longer philosophical discussion that we can have at a later date. Absolutely. Well, I, Evan, I appreciate you know, your time, uh, and I know, you know, you just launched, you know, 48, you know, 60 hours ago, and you probably got a lot of things going on. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on the, the Midlife Crisis Cards podcast. Hopefully, um, you know, uh, our listeners found a ton of uh, of interesting tidbits uh, from this evening. And uh, can you uh, let our listeners know where to go to find dibs? Like, where? how, how can they get access to it? Yeah, so online it's dibbs.io, so dibs.io, and then on the App Store if you have an invite code. If not, I think uh, the guy hosting this thing's got a few extras. Um, <laughs> I can hook uh, up invite codes. Please, if you, uh, if you type dibs in on the App Store, you're gonna find it. So uh, yeah, uh, appreciate anybody who checks that out. Hey Evan, thank you for your time this evening. And this, I love this because I was, you know, I've been getting deep into, well, I've been getting surface deep into NFTs and non-fungible stuff and you know i've been learning and i found you know this to be a fun conversation to explore it even further so i appreciate you taking the time of course thank you for listening to the midlife crisis cards podcast we had a ton of fun putting this episode together and we want to thank you for listening we want to hear from you so please don't be a stranger you can reach darren at at midlife crisis cards on instagram or at dherman76 on twitter If you want to stop by and check out our collection of cards, listen to other podcasts, or have fun configuring our new product, the Cardboard Box, a set of hand-curated sports cards delivered to your door, come visit midlifecrisiscards.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay classy, and let's go Knicks.